Our second scripture reading this morning is from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, found on page 1914 in your pew Bible. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How appropriate to have that song just sung. It's one of my favorites. Uh, And uh, it means a lot to me. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, Dennis has repented. Uh, (laughs) We've all been praying for that. (laughs) The subject today is love. Well, who doesn't like love? This is a subject that we talked about recently in our Sunday school, and I thought uh, it would be appropriate to speak about today. How, how many of you know who Buttercup and Wesley are? Oh, boy. Have you not seen The Princess Bride? Oh, yes, okay, yes. You'll remember that uh, the priest in there talked about true love. And I want to talk about true love today, too, but in a different way. Most of us are most familiar with love between spouses. That is the, the love that most of us have experienced deeply. Do you remember when you first met your spouse? the second Wednesday of June in 1970 at the VFW Hall on Halstead Street at 7 o'clock. It's when I met my wife. It was not love at first sight. I had already graduated from college, was sent out into uh, the mission field and was uh, starting my ministry, and my wife was still in high school. Oh, my. But true love happened, and two years later we were married. What an exciting time. Can Can you remember that when you were courting, when you were being with the one that you would marry? Love was a bloom. How is it now? You get home, you plop in the recliner, you read the paper, turn on the TV maybe. Dinner ready yet? What a change. Perhaps it's not that way with you. I still get excited coming home to see my wife. She often opens the front door. She's looking for me, along with our dog. Our dog looks for me too. And my wife will be opening the door so that I can come in. We kiss. It's been that way for 50 years now. 
And I don't know that it will ever change. I certainly hope not. <clears throat> Most of you will still remember Herman Stenger. During the last two years of his life, uh, Herman and I spent a lot of time together. Uh, he no longer drove, so I would take him with me when I visited people. And we never had a conversation that I remember that he did not talk about Helen. How much he loved her, how much he wanted to make sure that everything would be fine with her should he die. That's really true love. And now I want you to notice the scripture that was read because it has to do with love. The church at Ephesus was a major church. It was big. Paul spent years there building that church up. And here we find John talking about the church at Ephesus. What kind of church was it? It was a very alive and vibrant church doing a lot of good works. It says so right here. I know your works. The, Jesus says to the church, I know your works, that you're doing this and that and the other. You're very busy. You're doing a lot of things. But, there is a but. But you've lost your first love. What was that love? What did they lose? Their love for God. They were so busy working for God that apparently they neglected to love God. Well, how does that work? Now, most people can point to Matthew 25, where Jesus says, if you do this and this and this for others, you do it for me. And that's a definition of loving God. Well, in a way it is, but there's more to it than that. Let's go a little deeper than that. In Matthew chapter 22, if you'll remember, this was the verse from last week. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You've all, all memorized that by now, right? Along with the uh, 11 that went before it. <laughs> and the new one today. You've got it all. So, loving God is something that we all do, right? We all love God. But what does that mean to you? I'd like to kind of draw an analogy to what I talked about just a few minutes ago about meeting your true love when you were courting. I am probably different than many of you. Well, you know, that's a given. But I'm different than many of you because I did not grow up knowing God. Many of you did. You come out of a background where your parents were Christians, you went to church, and 
well, I went to church too, but uh, you know, I went in the door and out the door and didn't get anything in between. I went by myself. My father dropped me off at the door, gave me a quarter for the offering, said, I'll pick you up later. I was not raised in a Christian home. So when I found God at 19, or he found me, well, he knew where I was you know, all along. But when I discovered God at the age of 19, it's like an explosion. For many people, loving God is just a continuation of how they've been raised, of what they've been taught, of their pattern of life. For me, it was totally different. It was a real change in my life. So what is loving God all about? Well, do I love God like I love my wife? Now there's a question. I told you already that I get excited when I get home to see my wife. Am I excited when I go into my room to pray to God? Or is it, well, it's that time again. Time to go pray. See, okay, I've got my 20, 30 minutes in. Time to end it. If I'm honest with myself, and I'm not always, but this time I am, I am not as excited often. So what's wrong with me? Well, don't answer that. But I can change. I need to change. When I was courting my wife, she was on my mind all the time. Driving down the road, visiting with people in, in ministry, preparing a sermon, my wife kept intruding in my thoughts. Does God do that to you? Is that your experience of God? Is he intruding into your life all the time? I hope so. Another thing I noticed when I was engaged is I wanted to talk about my wife to everyone I met. I wanted to tell them what a wonderful woman she was. She graduated, you know. She was a wonderful girl. Now she was a wonderful woman. She had grown another year. And so I wanted to talk about her to everyone. I had that experience this past week with God. Somebody really dinged my car at Martin's parking lot. They opened their door, and boy, I've got a dent like that in the side of my fender. So I went to... Uh, girly leap and they quoted me a repair number and after I got up off the floor <laughs> he recommended I have a friend who does this and it doesn't cost as much normally why don't you go see him and I did his name is Wes he's in Roseland and I went and I saw Wes and I thought here I am I'm gonna walk in here I'm gonna see if Wes can help me and 30 minutes later, not only did I know about Wes, 
his courtship of his wife, his two children, where he went to church, what he thought about God. I also had a book in my hand called The Hiding Place that he gave me. And we talked about God. I cherish those opportunities when somebody I've, I don't know, have never met, wants to talk about God. How often does that happen? Well, not nearly often enough. But it was the same way when I was courting my wife. I wanted to talk about her to everyone I met. What about us and God? Do we want to talk about God? How many of you have ever stopped your server at a restaurant and asked, can I pray with you? Well, I have several times. Not because they looked awful, but I just felt compelled to, to do that. And the several times I've done that, no one has said, oh, get away. No, the very first time I did this, and I'll tell you, I was... I was not brave. I thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It was at Rocky River up in Granger. And the gentleman was taking our order. And I asked if I could pray for him. And he said, oh, you know, I've got to go to the dentist. And I am really scared because he's going to do this and this and this. I would love it if he would pray for me. Wow. So from that point on, every time I go out to eat, no, it doesn't happen that way. I have to build up my courage again. But what a wonderful opportunity to share God with other people. And there are opportunities everywhere. Checking out at the store, eating out uh, with the guy who's going to repair my car. All kinds of opportunities to talk about God. And probably the most exciting thing about waiting to get married was when my wife would call me. She wasn't my wife then, and, and uh, I just loved hearing from her. And she would, to this day, she leaves me notes on the kitchen table. When I get up in the morning, I might have a note that says, I love you. Isn't that maudlin, huh? <laughs> kind of sappy but you know what it lifts my heart we feel that way when God talks to us and he mainly does that through Bible study when we look into his word you know we talk to God in prayer and he talks to us when we read his word do we get excited about that well I still do I still enjoy reading the Word of God. I love to get into Scripture. Now, I know not everyone does. There are some people who are, as we term them, prayer warriors who spend a lot of time in prayer and it comes easier for them than it does others. That's not me. Prayer is not as enjoyable for me as study. I could study all day. I love it. Prayer is something that I know I need to do and I do it. And once I get into it, other things happen. But these are all ways in which we learn to love God. Not going out and doing something for Him, which is important. 
Doing works is what we were made to do. That's what one of our other scriptures talks about in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And if you go on further, it says we were created in Jesus Christ for good works. So yes, we do need to do good works. But loving God is a little bit different than that. We can work ourselves silly and never love God. You can belong to the uh, Elks or the Rotary or the Boy Scouts or name any organization and do good works. It's not the same as loving God. You can pass out water. You can feed the hungry. You can clothe people. You can shelter the homeless. The Red Cross does all these things. That's not God. Loving God is more intense. Do we love to talk to him? Do we love to talk about him? Do we love to hear from him? Those are very important bedrock issues in which we all need to engage in loving God. Now, the church in America, I'm not speaking about any particular congregation, but the church in America is kind of apathetic. I read widely, and I know that in many countries in this world, there are people who are still dying for their faith. I don't know of anyone who has died recently in America for their faith. In fact, uh, there are a lot of people who, well, today's Sunday, I should go to church. Well, I stayed up late last night, or uh, there's a show on I want to see, or it's just too nice a day to spend inside. Kind of apathetic, isn't it? Do you enjoy being at church? Yes. Thank you. There's one. <laughs> ah, hands are going up. Yes. <laughs> I enjoy being at church too. I enjoy seeing my friends, fellowshipping, and I enjoy being where God is, and God is here. Now, God is not uh, only here. There are people who cannot go to church because of distance, because of illness, because of other circumstances. They cannot be at church. We can. What a wonderful opportunity. I hope you look forward to it also. In Psalm chapter 14. Um, this is um, written to Israel, but it may as well have been written to us. In chapter 14 of Psalms, the psalmist says, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men. It's us. God has looked down from heaven upon us to see if there are any who understand, who seek after him. But they've all turned aside. 
They've all turned aside. They don't have time for God. Yesterday, my wife and I were visiting our son in one of the uh, western suburbs of Chicago. We enjoy spending time with our son. Uh, he loves us. We love him. Pretty simple. You all have children. Well, not all of you, but some of you have children. Many of you do. And I hope that you have a good relationship with them. And when you see them, I hope you enjoy your time spent together. Now, we always love going over to see him because he always takes us out to lunch. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons. And he always asks us, where would you like to go? And Brenda always says, McCormick and Schmick. If you're not familiar with it, it's kind of pricey, but they have crab cakes, which is her weakness. So we go there and have, she has crab cakes. We have a great time, uh, especially since he pays. It's, it's, it's wonderful. But, you know, when he visits us, which he does more often, he comes over to our place and we go out to lunch, and he buys us lunch then too. Yes, it's a win-win situation. I did not have that kind of relationship with my father. But I do with my son. And it is such a joy. And when he calls us, I enjoy listening. I see his name on the phone and I answer it. And when God calls through his word, I answer that too. Because I like to hear from my Heavenly Father. I hope someday to see my biological father. But I have the opportunity now to hear from my Heavenly Father all the time. And I look forward to that. So do we seek God? God is looking down from heaven to see is there anyone seeking him? You? 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 Are you seeking God? God has already set the bar pretty high. Paul says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that's a pretty high bar. That's the kind of love God has for us. And that's the kind of love we need to have for God. Now last week I was doing some work at Broadway Christian Parish where I volunteer and there was somebody else there and they were talking to me and they don't know me very well and they asked the most peculiar question. She said, who do you belong to? I think she meant, who is my wife? And I said, I belong to Jesus. Now she's a Christian, and she said, oh, good answer. <laughs> she isn't married, so there, there was no uh, reciprocal uh, response. <clears throat> but there was a time in my life when I was newly born as a Christian 
when it would have been embarrassing for me to say, I love Jesus. I love God. Yes, I would have been embarrassed to say that. <clears throat> I'm not now. Uh, I know who I belong to. It's not Brenda. It's God. And I hope none of us would be embarrassed to say that. That we are so in love with God that we want the world to know it. And that kind of witness can do tremendous things in this country that desperately needs God and don't know where to find him. But they may find him in you. And wouldn't that be wonderful? Penny, in her prayer, talked about revival. We need that in this country, and part of that revival is us. So, it's important to know who you belong to, and it's important that others know who you belong to. I am no longer embarrassed to say that God is the most important person in my life beyond my son whom I dearly love and my wife who is part of my life you know we are one flesh but above them is God no one should come between you and God and you being here today is kind of a reflection of that so thank you. Thank you for being here. And I've been watching carefully. No one's left. So continue to love God. Sure, do the works that you're called to do, that this church is noted for. But don't be so wrapped up in it that we forget to love God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your love that you have withheld nothing from us that's for our good and that you look forward to the day as we do when we will be together as one family in your kingdom. So give us the courage and the strength and the health to continue doing your work and in loving you as you love us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.